When you think of a prophet, who do you think of? Elijah, who did great works for God, powerful works. Or do you think of John the Baptist, who was sent before Jesus to announce the coming of Jesus and to encourage the people to get ready for the coming of Jesus and stop doing the sins they were doing? Both of these men were great prophets. But when I read the New Testament Bible, I see prophets just kind of traveling around together. And every once in a while, the Spirit of God will fall on one of them, and he will have a message for someone in that town or that church group. Now, prophets are sent to the church. They are not sent to the world. They are sent to the churches to bring correction, mostly to the churches and the ministers. In 1982, I was returning from a meeting in Hobbs, New Mexico, when God spoke to me while I was on the airplane and said, The time is come. That judgment must begin at the house of God. The time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. The time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. I heard these words all the way from Hobbs, New Mexico to where I lived in Dallas. I didn't know what they meant. I knew they were a scripture but I didn't know what it meant. What am I supposed to do with this? It wasn't very many days before God showed me what I was to do with this message. God called my attention to several big-time radio and television ministers and sins that they were committing. Jimmy Swaggart was one of them. We had the same advertising agent, and the agent told me that Swaggart was, at one time, one of their clients. He came to the agency because he was tired of having small crowds at his meetings. He would only have four or 500 people come to a meeting when he went to a town. They evaluated his presentation, and they told him, you speak too many words. You should play more music. In other words, entertain the people. So he cut back on preaching and increased the number of musical performances. The crowds instantly changed to two or three thousand. They wanted to hear the music. Basically, they wanted to be entertained. In God's eyes, that was a sin because he got my attention called to it, gave me that word that time has come, that judgment must begin at the house of God. 
and reminded me of what the agent had said about Swigert. And the message that I had for Jimmy Swigert was, cut back on the musical entertainment and go back to preaching more of the Word of God. There was just one problem. I couldn't get the message to Swigert. I was pretty well known at that time in the 1980s, early 80s. I was on radio from coast to coast. Jimmy Swigert owned the radio stations in Dallas and Houston that I was on. I should have been able to get a message to him, but I couldn't get a message to him. These big-time people frequently have someone that filters out their mail and they don't get messages that you send to them. I didn't know what to do about this. God took me to a section of Scripture to show me what to do. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, says Paul. Beware of him. And I knew that I was going to have to get on my own radio broadcast, which were coast to coast, and I was going to have to give the message I had for Swigert and name him by name. And then I knew some of his audience would have been listening to my broadcast, and they would tell Swigert about the message. And sure enough, that happened. But I didn't anticipate all the hatred that the church people were going to bring to me as a result of the message that I delivered to Swigert from God. Hate mail poured into our office. That is what a prophet goes through. Prophets deliver messages from God to help the church break free from sins. But it's the prophet who is attacked by the church people. Reading a section of scripture from Jesus about prophets. Matthew 23, verse 1. Then spake Jesus unto the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you to observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. All their works they do for to be seen of men. They make 
broad their phylacteries and enlarged the borders of their garments. And they loved the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Then Jesus says, But be ye not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, you say it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift, that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar, that sanctifieth the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters 
of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind guide, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Verse 29. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulcher of the righteous and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Verse 21, Wherefore ye be witness unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Verse 34, Jesus says, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify. And some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. 
Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. This is Jesus' testimony as to what they do in the churches to the prophets. So in 1982, God tells me, the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God, and he calls my attention to four or five big-time television ministers, and one in particular, he gives me a message for this man. I deliver the message on my radio broadcast, naming the man by name. It was Jimmy Swigert, telling exactly what happened, that he wanted big crowds, and so he cut back on the preaching and expanded the music entertaining the people with country-western music. And the message was, go back to preaching the gospel. When I couldn't get the message to him by sending a letter or by telephone, I gave it on my radio broadcast, which were at that time from coast to coast, from New York City to Seattle to Los Angeles. He then got the message. I was greatly persecuted by his followers. I went into Seattle at that time to give a seminar to the people who were the radio audience. Outside the door of the convention center, the radio station manager was waiting for me. George had always been very friendly to me. So I approached him in a very friendly way, and George said to me, Joan, you have many wonderful messages. Just give those messages. If you give these judgment messages, I don't know what's going to happen to you. We may have to put you off the air. God, by his Spirit, spoke immediately through my mouth, saying, George, if I don't give the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message, and I may as well be off the air. A real minister of Jesus Christ speaks the message as led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will remind you of examples of things that have happened. Speak that. The Holy Spirit will remind you of scriptures. Speak that. I don't have a message unless I speak what God gives me to speak. And I knew God had given me this to speak. 
I did continue as long as necessary to speak the messages on my radio broadcast. Approximately one half of them put me off the air. That is the same as killing a prophet. In the New Testament era, that's the same as killing a prophet. Robert Tilton was pastor at a church called Word of Faith in Farmer's Branch, Texas, which is just a suburb of Dallas. I attended that church from about 1977 through 1982. One of the prophets at that church was invited to be on Tilton's new radio broadcast. Just before they went on stage, Tilton said to her, Oh, just one thing, Ava. Don't say anything about being a prophet because it's not popular. She called me after the broadcast and she was crying. Bob had, in fact, killed a prophet when he did that. God sent me to Tilton with a message. He knew me well, and he listened to the message. And the message was, because you have done this thing, your house is going to be left to you desolate. At that time, he was married had, I think, two children. God took me out of that church by giving me a, a very strong dream. I was in a room listening to a preacher who was preaching to a group of people when all of a sudden a second man walked in and said, Stop, wait, can't you see? It's too late, it's already begun. The first preacher just went right on preaching. I looked out the window because I wanted to see what was happening. There was a very tall pole outside the window with a civil defense warning speaker on top of the pole, which was designed to send warnings to the people when there was trouble. I could see a gas coming out of that speaker, and I knew it was poisonous, and it was coming directly toward us who were sitting in that room listening to that man speak. And I knew the gas from the speaker would kill us. The first person was still speaking, I looked at the man sitting next to me. He was smiling with a great big smile on his face. He was looking directly at the speaker and approving every word the speaker said, shaking his head up and down, smiling, loving the preacher. And then I saw it. The man was a corpse. He was dead, though he seemed to be alive. I looked at all the people in the congregation, 
They were corpses. They were dead. Every one of them were dead as they sat there approving the speaker. And the thing that was so horrible is the message that was coming from the speaker, from the system that was set up by God to warn us, to warn the church, was the message that was killing the church. It was poison. As I sat there among them, I began to feel drowsy, and I knew I was being killed by the speaker. A few weeks later at Tilton's church, I looked at the man sitting next to me at one of the services, and I was so shocked. He was the man in the dream who was the corpse. I looked around the congregation. They were dead people. They were the dead people in the dream. I got up immediately, took my Bible, took my purse, went into the ladies' room and began praying. And I said, God, I think you're showing me to leave this church. And so I will get in my car and leave. But if I'm wrong and if you want me to come back, I'll turn around and come back. God didn't want me to come back. He wanted me to leave. I never went back to that church. God showed me several things that were wrong at that church after I left it. About 10 years after this, this was in 1982, and in 1990, approximately, ABC Primetime Live aired an expose about Robert Tilton. He had been asking people to send him prayer requests. Bob was on radio and television all over the United States by that time. The prayer request was sent to the church at Farmer's Branch, Texas, but it was forwarded by the post office to a bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the cashiers opened the envelopes, deposited the checks that were in with the letters of prayer request, and threw the prayer request into the garbage. And it was reported by ABC Primetime Live that Bob's income at the church that year was $80 million. I mean, that's so, so shocking to me. $80 million. Finally, a man in the church sued him for extortion. He and his wife divorced. He married another woman who was a lawyer and said she was an evangelist, and they divorced. And then he married a third woman. And then he just gave up and bought a hotel in Culver City, California. His house was left to him desolate. This is what happens when any one of us allows poison into our lives and hearts 
and our integrity evaporates. And it can happen to anybody. Prophets warn the church. We give strong warnings to the church. And prophets are killed by the people. One way or another, they put them off the air. They stop them from speaking. Once I received a dream from God, and in that dream I was shown I was in great danger. I was getting ready to go out to a meeting that I was having for the radio audience, and I heard these words in the dream. Don't go until you see Exodus 15. I canceled all my meetings for the rest of that year, 1982. One of our church people said, Joan, you've got to go out. If you go out, they'll give money. And if you don't go out, they won't give money. And I said, well, I heard from God. I'm not going. There's a scripture where Jesus says, the time will come that they would kill you. I believe that's in John 16, verses 1 and 2. I used to think, as a new Christian, I never dreamed there was anything wrong at the church. I never dreamed it. I loved going to church. I never dreamed there was anything wrong. And one of the two offices I was called to operate in was prophet, apostle and prophet. And in the prophet's office, you're always bringing correction to the church. One time I was um, having coffee with two Baptist women, and one woman began telling about her pastor who was building a wonderful new building And she said, there's a woman in the church who's always complaining about what pastor is doing. What do you think might be wrong with her? And instantly out of my mouth came, maybe she's a prophet. Those two women didn't say any more. I am convinced that there are prophets everywhere. They may not be that prophet like Ezekiel or Isaiah or Jeremiah or John the Baptist where they are out in public. They're just little housewives who know something's wrong at church. I know they're everywhere. You rarely get to meet one of them. I would love to be around them but they just go about their business of taking care of their families. And every once in a while, they see something wrong at church. And if they have been trained by God, they will speak it. When a person is called to be a ministry office, Jesus trains that person in how to do the work. I really hope that you will read the writing that's attached to this podcast because it tells so much from the Bible about prophets. 
And I encourage you to read the writing that I have put with this podcast. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.